Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Well, hello, I'm Sabrina Schaefer, Executive Director of the Independent Women's Forum. Welcome to another great edition of IWF's Working for Women podcast. I'm thrilled to welcome as our guest today, Marlene Colucci. Marlene is the Executive Director of the Business Council and is a co-founder of the Right Now Women PAC, whose mission is to help Republican women candidates become political leaders. Previously, Marlene served as a Special Assistant to the President in the Domestic Policy Council under George W. Bush. And prior to the White House, she served as counsel in the Office of Congressional and Intergovernmental Affairs at the U.S. Department of Labor. So it's fair to say, Marlene, that you've been around politics for a while. Is that right? That's absolutely right, Sabrina. <laughs> I think you can say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's jump right into it. And Marlene, maybe you can tell us you know, more about what Right Now Women PAC is, what's the organization's focus, and, and your role there. Absolutely. And thanks, Sabrina. I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to chat with you today. And um, congratulations to you on everything that you've done at the Independent Women's Forum. I think you guys do some amazing work, and it's nice to be able to work with other groups, um, kind of all focused on the betterment of women, especially seeking public office and public policy. So just a little bit about um, right now Women Pack. We started this um, actually just three years ago. We had another group uh, that was called Just Right Now as a 501c4, and that group was really more involved with convening women and talking about policy issues. And then we felt after the 2012 election a real need to support women. Uh, I think we were all frustrated that there weren't a lot of qualified center-right women out there. So the purpose of the organization really is to, it's a first of all, volunteer organization, so everybody gives their time voluntarily, um, and we don't have any kind of full-time paid staff, although that's certainly on our wish list. Um, But we help elect qualified center-right women to public office. And the, I think I'd say the important thing there is qualified. And we really felt like it's important for us to kind of help to go out and identify qualified women who would make us proud and really give them our full support financially and also through social media. So I know that some political groups in town have what they call sort of a litmus test for how they determine whom they will support. Does right now have something like this as well, or is it, um, do you take a different model? Well, we actually have a process. So I think um, I can explain that probably a little bit. We have a steering committee, and that steering committee meets quarterly. Uh, and they determine, you know, after we go through and vet all the candidates, uh, which candidates that we're going to support on a quarterly basis as we raise money, we get it out the door. Uh, I think importantly, we look at women in all, you know, different states. Um, we especially look at primaries where women need money the most. Um, and really our litmus test is, or if you can even call that a litmus test, is really supporting candidates who are, we think are qualified and that we'd be proud to support. But we also want them to share in our belief in promoting economic growth, um, individual responsibility, a strong national defense, uh, access to best education, and equality health care at a reasonable cost. Um, I know we often get asked, are we, you know, do we have a litmus test for whether someone is pro-life and pro-choice? And we do not. And we feel that that is actually something that yeah. the left uses to divide women on the center-right. And we feel that women have both uh, personal beliefs, and that should not interfere with our support for them and for their candidacy. That sounds a lot like the Independent Women's Forum. So, yes, very much so. Because <laughs> I, 
very similar. Um, despite sort of all of women's educational and professional financial gains in recent decades, it's true that in politics, women haven't quite found their footing um, and that we are still underrepresented in public office. And of course, certainly Democrats are, are ahead of Republicans on this. Um, but why do you think this is the case? And how does it relate to conservative or Republican women in particular? Well, I'd say, Sabrina, um, I'd have to say there are probably two major factors. I think one is a woman thing, and that is that, you know, women need to be asked. Uh, I think one uh, story I, I think I remember telling you, in fact, that um, there was a, a female senator that has, has told me the story, which I think is so um, indicative of kind of why women don't see themselves, is that they said, you know, women wake up in the morning, men wake up in the morning, they look in the mirror and they say, I could be a senator. I could be president of the United States. And women don't look in the mirror and say that, right? We're like, oh, I have too many wrinkles. I look too fat. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things going on. I've got to get this done today. But that's not the first thing that comes to mind. And I think what's so important about um, groups like ours is that we need to encourage women. We need to identify leaders and say, you know, you're a great leader. I think you should consider running for office. And whether it's on the local level or on the national level, there are so many things in a woman's background, whether she's raising a family or whether she is going to work and has, you know, great career success and or maybe she enters in later in life. But there's so many things that they have to offer. And so I think one is, you know, really making sure that we ask women and give them our support. And then secondly, and probably most importantly, where we come in is that women need the financial support. And if you look right. at primaries, especially across the country. You know, you've got primaries where you may have eight people in a field, and you've got a lot of well-funded candidates. And I think some of the party organizations, the typical party organizations, really look at candidates who are well-funded and say, let's support them because the chances are they're going to do well. Well, we come in and we say, we want to find those great qualified women that we would be proud to have represent us and go and support them early on. Go and support them in the primary. Make sure that their voice is heard. And I think oftentimes what we see is that, uh, you know, you have a crowded field, and if a woman's voice is heard, then it's going to be listened to. And especially, right. you know, okay. in, in this kind of primary season where you're always looking for the different voice, what voice is going to speak to me? And I think women have that special quality to be able to reach out and relate, you know, to voters on so many levels where it's personal with family and how each regulation or each law that's passed impacts them personally or whether it's in the career world and things that they've experienced. So I'd say it's those two yeah, that probably so, are most important. That's so interesting, and it, and it really um, makes sense. When you think about it, you know, sort of being an outsider candidate is sort of a double-edged sword. On one hand, you probably are not a career politician. You've, you've owned a business or you've been involved with your community, but at the same time, you don't necessarily have that infrastructure and that funding that someone who set out to be in politics has already. So it's so important that we, we look to support those people. Um, and of course, I think you're right. I, I mean, it, yeah. I'm just going to say one thing about that is that that's yeah. so true, especially in this current cycle, is that if you look at it, you know, people that have been involved in politics have done it from a very early age. They tend to be men. They tend to be involved in the party infrastructure, and they've kind of gone through the steps, and they've gotten the support. Women have been raising families. They've been out at ball games. You know, they've been pursuing their careers. Um, all of a sudden, they get this idea, or somebody approaches them and says, you should be a leader. You know, they don't know where to start. It's very daunting. And I right. think, in, interestingly, in this year of outsiders, um, it's it's a great opportunity, I think, for women or people who have not been involved in politics since the general public kind of looks at that with somewhat, you know, some disdain 
and they're looking for these fresh new voices that they feel are coming with some fresh experience and are not so tied necessarily to the party establishment. I think that's so true, and it's so interesting to watch this political season unfold. Of course, you know, at IWF, we always say that we can't really have a conversation like this one without acknowledging that I think for you and for me, ultimately the policy that one supports and their vision for the country is more important than their gender. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is complicated because I think that men and women are different and that we do bring different strengths and qualities to the table. Um, you know, how do you think that having more women in office will change the tenor of politics today? Well, I think it's a great question because I think, uh, first of all, we do have to acknowledge the policies, right, that someone supports. We do, and so we do have, you know, certain policy uh criteria that we look at, as I mentioned, people that believe in individual responsibility and strong economic growth, have a plan for that growth, strong national defense. Somehow, I think when it comes from a woman, they women have a softer side and a way of presenting that information, which is a little more relatable to voters. So they can come at it from several right. different angles. Like I said, the policy angle, they can come at it from the family angle, they can come at it from their work angle. So, and they also, I think, in the way they operate or the way we collectively operate, um, we're more likely to be, you know, working cooperatively rather than competitively. So I think you're more likely to see, and right. I think this goes on women on both sides, you know, more likely to see women reach across the aisles, work with one another, and really um, cooperate to get things done. You know, they see the ultimate goal is, you know, I've got five things to do or ten things to do today. I've got to get them all done, and so I'm going to have to work with other people to make that happen. And I think that's a, a unique quality it's that so true. Have. Yeah, it is true. I was going to say, you and know, you know it in your own personal life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I know I speak with women, um, you know, sort of more progressive women, and I think, oh, gosh, this conversation is going to go terribly. But the reality is that I think we do have a lot of shared goals and ideas of where we'd like to see the country go. And when we actually sit down and have a conversation, um, we can be very productive, and we can find that there's more common ground. So that is an interesting contribution. Of course, you know, I'm thinking about this, and I think, gosh, I have three little children at home. You know, the idea of running for office would be would be really hard. You know, how how mm-hmm. do women balance it? Um, it? It does sort of perhaps it means that women put it off until their children are grown or there's different times. But does right now have advice for women who are interested in running for office, but who maybe are worried about um, that very real work-life balance concern? Well, I think what's nice is that you know we're living in an age where we see more of that, right? It's becoming more commonplace. I mean, if you look at Senator Ayotte in New Hampshire, um, she was you know the Attorney General in New Hampshire and then ran for public office and ran for the Senate, was successful, and she has two young children. Um, they're in New Hampshire most of the time with her husband. And she goes back and forth. So it can be done. It's definitely a family effort. Um, and so I'd say one thing is, you know, making right. sure that you have a strong family unit, right? Because I think as much as we want to think we're super women, it, it is difficult to do both, I think, uh, and do that successfully. I think you absolutely can. But you've got to have that support network. And I think women are very good about helping to kind of create that support network around them. And I also say that, you know, whether or not you run for public office, I think the one thing we've tried to instill is we need to develop a culture of giving to female candidates. And this is not only for young women, but also for young men as well. Like they need to come in and even at lower dollar amounts, which is how we're structured. So we have everybody who's under 40 donates at a a lower dollar amount and they're called founders. And everybody who is over 40, um, we call them advisors and we expect them to donate at a higher level. 
and it kind of also creates a little mentor-mentee relationship. But most importantly, you know, we encourage younger women and younger men to support female candidates and say, you know, this is part of what we expect you to do, to identify these candidates and then give money when you can. So if you're working, you know, if you're a working mother, if you're working or you're a mother or you're doing both, which in you know, most cases is the case, um, we want you to be able to balance both of those and go to events that are easy where we can give a low dollar amount and you feel like you're being supportive. Or if you can't make it, we allow people to do it online. And I think you have to allow for that mix of flexibility. Um, at the same time, too, if you do want to run for public office, and it's exciting that we have a lot of younger women now really, you know, taking that plunge, that we're there to give them that support, you know, both financially, but also in terms of helping them network uh, before they get to Washington and then once they get to Washington, just to make their jobs a lot easier. Obviously, you mentioned I spent a lot of time here. You've been in Washington for a number of years. We're certainly uh, pretty Washington savvy. Um, so it's incumbent upon us to be able to help guide these women, um, these talented young yeah. women that want to get into politics and policy and want to you know, do things for the country that will you know, make our nation great. I really let them know what to expect. It's interesting, you know, I have one final you know, sort of question and thought for you mm-hmm. is that, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a political science geek, and um, I was reading up on some recent research that, you know, there's lots of different reasons that we talk about why men might go into public office, and we talk about things like risk aversion and the competitive drive. Um, but one of the things that came out of some recent research out of the University of Pittsburgh is what they call the noisiness of the campaign environment, which is really this 24-hour news cycle and the, fo- the focus on the things that aren't really that important. You know, she was wearing a pantsuit rather than a dress. She had fake eyelashes rather than real eyelashes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she gained a few pounds or where are her kids? All of the stuff that makes people feel like the conversation isn't about the issues that matter. Um, and I, I wonder if there's more that we can all be doing to get us back on track, to talk about policy and to make both women and men who would be qualified candidates feel like if they, you know, they, they go out there and they put themselves out on the line that they'll have a chance to really have their opinions heard. So I'd love your, your thoughts on that. Well, I couldn't agree more with your premise. I think it's true that it is nuanced, and I think it is true that, you know, there is so much criticism of women. And when you look at pictures of women, I don't care if you're, if I'm looking at pictures of Republican or Democratic women, but, you know, if they show someone where you, you're not smiling, it's an ugly picture of you, you look fat, or they complain about that. I mean, you don't see that same thing yeah. on on men. You know, you don't see them saying, oh, it looks like you gained a couple pounds. I mean, you just don't see that. Right. <laughs> and I think it's unfortunate that, you know, this is the way the media has decided to kind of, you know, compartmentalize things, as we're going to look and see if she had a good hair day as to whether she'll make a good member right. of Congress. And I think that is, you know, it's, it's insulting, but it's also coming upon us to push back on that. Uh, I think women, you know, right. and men have to push back on that and say, well, I think we're not being fair. And I will say it, you know, I've seen it in primaries where it's worked in someone's favor, for example. I remember a primary last time in uh, Florida where there was a older white gentleman uh, running against a fairly younger, you know, female, and he was kind of commenting on the fact that she was running and what was going on with her children. You know, they were at home without a mom and making just, you know, some very um, unfortunate oh, yeah. remarks and some kind of old-fashioned ideas uh, and she came back at him with, you know, just a very um, co- cohesive and concise answer that basically said, I can handle them both. And uh, just the crowd right. thought it was great. And I think the crowd was insulted by the way this particular gentleman had, um, you know, had characterized her. 
So the bottom line is it, it can work yeah. in your favor, but I think it takes work. And so I think it's something that, you know, you at the Independent Women's Forum, us at Right Now Women's Hack, have to kind of work on collectively and make sure that we don't give up on that because we don't want to discourage qualified I women think that's for running. Right. I think it's really important. And I think it's important on, on for us to, to, to recognize when it happens on the left as well because it's easy yeah. to sort of focus on um, women that we agree with policy-wise, but I think it's great when we're able to say, hey, you know what, I want to hear what she has to say on the minimum wage and whether I agree with her or not. Let's get back to the, the policies that matter because ultimately it will help change this conversation for all of us. So, well, Marlene, I really appreciate your perspective on all of this. You are a wealth of information, and I know that this is not the end of the conversation. We will have plenty more to talk about uh, with Right Now Women's Pack in terms of women's role in the political sphere and, and where we're going with women voters. Um, but thank you for taking the time to join me today. And to our listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this Working for Women podcast. Thank you for tuning in. And if you want to learn more about the Independent Women's Forum or listen to more podcasts like this one, visit IWF.org. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or stop by IWF.org for similar content.